Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Don't you always want to be the best you can be? The Frankie Boyer Show. What is this? It's more than a lifestyle show. It's a show about living in today's world. I think something is happening. Frankie enthusiastically brings an amazing eclectic mix to the airwaves. You got that right. One of the reasons she's earned legions of loyal fans is very simple. When you listen to the Frankie Boyer Show, you just never know what's going to happen next. So listen for yourself. Here is Frankie Boyer. And welcome. It is Frankie Boyer and this is Biz Talk Radio. Welcome to the program. And we welcome journalist and former New York City narcotics prosecutor, Jordan Rubin. Jordan S. Rubin, what a job you had. Holy moly. I can only imagine yeah, it was really being... Something. Being the narcotics prosecutor in New York City, what was that like? Before we get into the new book, which is called Bizarro, but but what was that like for you? Yeah, business was good, for better or worse. It was certainly an education, Frankie. I think most of us have an idea about how prosecutions go, including in New York City. We've all seen law and order, but it was certainly an education and an experience being on the inside of that that I'll never forget. Oh, I I bet. I bet. Jordan, we are seeing synthetic drugs take over this country. We're seeing more deaths than we have ever seen from fentanyl. We are seeing families devastated, devastated by what's been happening. Give us an insight to what, how severe the situation is today. And is it worse today than when you were back in the, in the days as a prosecutor? So it's incredibly severe today. It's really hard to overstate it, Frankie, including with fentanyl in particular, has made an unfortunate return, including heroin. We've had all of these drugs that are resurfacing that haven't been as popular uh, since decades ago. You have to look back to the 70s right, and 80s. Right. And so these things are somewhat cyclical in a way. It's not necessarily happening in a linear fashion, but but it's terrible today. As far as when I was there, it, it was always bad. There's always a new drug that's popping up. And so the way I look at it really is that it's it's never really a new story. It's almost the same story. And it's a matter of degree. There's always going to be a new drug that pops up. There's always going to be people wanting to change their consciousness. There's always going to be people who are struggling with addiction. And so you have this sort of whack-a-mole game where the government might be able to suppress one drug, at least somewhat, and then a new one pops up. And then you see a new one today. Sometimes it's a completely new one. Sometimes it's something like fentanyl, which we're seeing have somewhat of an unfortunate resurgence these days. What, what makes this story so scary for me 
I was watching um, Chris Como the other day on on his new show, News Nation, and he was he had a father on this bright young woman who is this unbelievable young lawyer was at a party and she and, and, and the people were, didn't realize, you know, she had never done drugs in her whole life. She was not, she was just a, she just, and no one knows why she said yes. And she died from an overdose of just using recreational drugs that night innocently and we don't know when we go to a party or when we go anywhere what is really happening i i i don't understand this new trend that is happening with with these drugs now i just don't understand it yeah it definitely has been a topic that I think some people are sort of catching wind of that maybe weren't affected by it previously, right? And so you have more people kind of tuning in and trying yeah. to figure out what the heck is going on here. I think though, really, this is not, again, this is not, this is, I just uh, want to say this is, this is not street people. These are not drug addicts. These are established young millennials that are, out having a good time with friends and trying cocaine for the first time. And it was laced with fentanyl and that first dose was a killer. Right. And I think Frankie, at least part of that is a consequence of the prohibition regime that we've been under because, because of that, you have a drug supply that's contaminated. And so, yeah. for example, yeah. if people were able to test their drugs more readily, as crazy as that sounds to some people, it's less crazy than the status quo of just taking something random and putting it into your body. So say somebody who is going to do cocaine as ill-advised or not ill-advised as that is for a particular person, you should be able to know whether there's fentanyl in that or not. And so... If you're someone who's worried about drugs, sort of in a kind of tough on drugs posture, you might be less likely to be in a situation where you can or even know how to test that. And you see some of these tragedies kind of like the one that you alluded to. Jordan, why? Why? Let's go back a little bit. Why are we seeing such an, a huge illicit influx of drugs right now who's who's not minding the store or is it a bigger picture and do you talk about that in bizarro so it's all of the above and i do talk about it in bizarro because i think what it is what we're seeing now it's really a predictable culmination of the war on drugs as, as we've seen it practiced over the decades we're just seeing a particularly extreme version of it right now. But again, it's really not an entirely new story. If a government goes after one drug, there's going to be a new one that pops up. If you make something illegal, it's not going to stop people from using it. Again, a new drug is just going to pop up, especially when you talk about something like fentanyl, which is so physically small. There's no way you're going to stop it from coming into the country, no matter what you do with the border 
with the males, anything like that. So if people want to get drugs, they're going to get them. And so it's a question of what does the government do in the face of that reality? And so that's a story that I try to tell in Bizarro in terms of recognizing that reality for better or worse, that people are going to want to use drugs for whatever reason. And so it's a question, do you make the status quo then more dangerous for people recognizing that reality, or do you ignore that and just go full steam on prohibition and not try anything new? And then we wind up in the situation that we're in today. Well, even cannabis, and we do, we do a cannabis show. I do a cannabis show and even the cannabis is being laced and people aren't aware. So if you're not getting clean supply of cannabis, you're, you could be also in that position. Absolutely. And even within cannabis, even if it's not laced with something else, there, there's problems with, you know, the product kind of being what it claims to be, which is not something that's unique to drugs. It's something across all sorts of industries and food and beverages. Right. But I think that underscores the issue that drugs need to be viewed through a regulatory public health regime as opposed to at least purely a law enforcement regime because then we can start to tackle these issues like something being laced if there were requirements that drugs actually had to go through again as crazy as that sounds to some people is it really less crazy than the status quo where we have this contaminated drug supply where you have people dropping dead like the party that you alluded to I think not. It's at least worth considering trying something a little different. I I really am so thrilled you're with us today because we need insights. We need un- to understand um, how severe the problem is. And so your your book is really a blueprint. And as someone you know that has been involved in this war on drugs and and it was never a successful war to begin with. No, even people on the inside of it knew that when you see that the price of a kilo of Coke might not even have changed over the decades. It's a question of really what are you even doing now? Again, that's separate from the question of punishment in the criminal system. Is someone deserving of punishment for doing something? That's, again, more of a subjective moral judgment. But if the question is you're trying to protect people, as we've seen, as you've hinted at, the war on drugs certainly hasn't stopped that. And if anything, it's probably made it worse. So we have to take a quick break. Jordan X. Rubin, journalist, former New York City narcotics prosecutor, is with us. His new book is called Bizarro, the the Surreal Saga of America's Secret War on synthetic drug uh, synthetic drugs we will be back in just a moment uh jordan give us the best website please sure jordanrubin.net that's my website you can find how to order bizarro there we'll be back in just a moment i'm frankie boyer stay tuned biz talk radio Thank you. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back. It's Frankie Boyer talking today to the author of the new book, Bizarro. And it's, excuse me, and it's, Jordan, it's called The Survival, The Surreal Saga of America's Secret War on Synthetic Drugs and the Florida Kingpins It Captured. Tell us a little bit about the book. Sure. So, the book tracks the, those kingpins, Burton Ritchie and Ben Galecki. Well, they might be kingpins or they might be completely innocent. It's up to the justice system to decide that, and that's something that's still ongoing. But they wound up getting into the business of this stuff called Spice, which, if your listeners don't remember it, it was a little more popular about a decade ago, the so-called fake weed or synthetic weed that you might have seen in head shops and gas stations yes, and even yes. over the Internet. And so they had this company called Zensense where they were really pumping this stuff out, selling it, distributing it to head shops across the country. So they were really at the supply level of this. But their business was really different from what you might think of as a stereotypical criminal organization because they were registered as an LLC. They had a a storefront. They were lab testing their products to make sure that they weren't substances that were scheduled. And so they had proof of that. And so that's not something that you would see, for example, in a cocaine or a fentanyl or heroin operation, or even at the time when cannabis was much less legal across the country, a cannabis operation for that matter. And so they were doing everything that they could in order to stay within the law. But nonetheless, they were arrested based on this really strange law called the Analog Act. And in the book, I tried to explain what this Analog Act is, how it came about in the mid-80s, and then how it applies in this case and even to this day. Wow. Um, if If you were to give us some advice on the war on drugs today, what would it be? 
It would be to view it through a public health lens. I think that's the simplest way to put it. That's not to say that the criminal system has no role to play in anything at all. But I think in the first instance, if you're trying to help people, it's a matter of taking drugs into that public health fold instead of necessarily viewing it through that law enforcement lens. Explain to us what you mean by that, Jordan, because do we go to our local community centers I know that in California right now, in San Francisco, there's an awful lot of scrutiny over some of the clean drugs. And if you're going to do your drugs, come here. And, you know, who knows what method's the right way? I know that in Boston, we had a situation, cast in mass, where drug addicts were just strung out in this mile stretch of, of road uh, right near Boston Medical Center. And devastating to see it. Devastating. Yeah, so no one knows the right answer, Frankie, but I think it's easier to say at least what's the wrong way, because the way that we've got in this situation is through this decades long war on drugs. Right. That's what's created the circumstances that we're now in today. And so. When you look at a situation like San Francisco, people who are proponents of the war on drugs will say, well, we can't have this. We need to push even harder. But the thing is, that's how we got into this reality in the first place. And so there can be different answers for how you tinker around the edges, how you regulate. But if the point is to help people, including homeless people, including addicted people uh, who are all people too, right? And so it's... Again, one thing I know for sure is that the status quo isn't working because it's brought us into this situation now. I don't think anyone has the right model in response to that, but I think we know from decades of research out in the field, out in real life, not in a lab, but seeing it play out across the country, we know what the wrong answer is, and that's the status quo. We are... um we're seeing more people, more people die. We're seeing young people become addicted. And I know, and you know, that status quo is not working and it's not good. And we, as Americans, what can we do? I feel as though we just are not understanding addiction in this country. We're not really understanding how the insidiousness of it and if, if the addict could stop, they would. That's the problem. They can't. I think that's exactly right, Frankie. And having tougher enforcement. Again, now I know anecdotally of some people who have effectively been helped by going into drug courts and things like that. But again, it's a question of whether that sort of coercive measure is something that's that's working for everybody. And I don't think that's the case. So again, especially given how much people are suffering, it's really hard to see how additional prosecution, additional enforcement, tougher penalties are going to change the status quo because they never have in the past and they never will. And we as Americans have to help. I think we, we need to really reach out and have more empathy, don't you think? 
Absolutely. And I think that's another way of, of saying what I'm saying. I think empathy is viewing the issue through a public health lens as opposed to through a punishment lens. When you talk about increasing penalties, for example, like you have people talking about now with fentanyl, especially when you're talking about someone who's dealing just on the street, not somebody who's living it up somewhere, making millions or billions of dollars, you're effectively punishing someone potentially who is suffering through an addiction themselves, right? And so who does that help? It certainly doesn't help that person. And it's really hard to see in the end who that helps at all. So I think this public health model really is an empathy model. Oh, it has to be. It has to be because because we're seeing young athletes. We're seeing we're not seeing the typical drug addicts that we think of when we think of drug addicts and addicts. That's on true. The streets I think people today. recognize that drugs touch every facet of life. It's just the question of whether you're ignorant of it or whether you're privy to what's happening sometimes even in your own homes, right? Sometimes we don't know what's right, happening right. right in our own backyard. And it's even beyond addiction too, right? Because that's obviously an important piece of it, but there's plenty of people who use drugs who are not addicted. And I think that's an important piece of the puzzle too that sometimes gets lost in the conversation because it can sometimes seem more controversial to talk about. Like there needs to yeah, be yeah. A, sort of an acceptable problem to solve in order to solve it. But that's another piece of it too, that not every aspect of drug use is necessarily resulting in addiction, not to downplay that, but that's a, a part of it too, I think. So I have to ask you a quick question. Is Bizarro going to be a movie? It sounds like it should be. It has the makings of a great movie. <laughs> Yeah, so I think there's a good chance that will happen. I've actually had some yeah. preliminary discussions about that I'm with sure. uh, some people over the last few weeks. And so uh, I think that's a good chance, whether it's a movie, a TV series, documentary, there's some talk Something. about that. Something is so, happen. Uh, good, good, going to happen. What it's going to be exactly, we'll see. But uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing you at the premiere, Frankie, whenever it does Okay. <laughs> Hey, Jordan, this has been fabulous. Congratulations on Bizarro. And Jordan, you want to give us what the best website is, please? Sure. That's jordanrubin.net. Again, the book is Bizarro. If you don't go through the website, type in Bizarro, the surreal saga of America's secret war on drugs and the Florida kingpins it captured, and you'll find it wherever you buy books. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jordan. And Thank we'll you, be Frankie. back in a moment. Frankie Boyer, BizTalk Radio. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And welcome back. It's Frankie Boyer. All right. Before we even begin with this segment, I know for those of you out there that are parents, you really think, you really, really think that your kids are special. And I get that. I get it. And, and I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that they're not special. But our next guest, Jason Cole, who is an incredible sports writer, has a new book out. Now, brace yourself because I'm, well, I'm going to warn you all. The title is alarming. <laughs> Jason, I have to have fun with this, but your the title of your book is called Shut Up. Your kids not that great. Yep. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little kind of direct. Um, I'm a little bit uh, You think? You think Jason? Wait a minute. Yeah, Jason. I'm I'm a, uh, I'm a little sarcastic maybe. Just, just, a just a little. Um, but can we just say that can we just say that the forward was done by Tom Brady Sr., by the way, FYI. Mm-hmm. And to give yes. people a little background, you've covered or written about pro football since nineteen ninety-two. Um you have been um a selector for the Pro Football Hall of Fame since twenty thirteen, which is extraordinary. You've worked for publications such as Bleacher Report, Yahoo Sports, the Miami Herald. It goes on and on and on. And I have to ask you, Jace, I just have to ask you. Are we going to see Tom Brady come back? (laughs) I I just have to ask you. Sure. Um, Look, nothing nothing is out of the realm of possibilities. And if somebody is passionate enough to play as long as he has and is at that level, you never know. I kind of get the feeling that he's done for good this time. Uh, you do? Okay. Conversations with his dad and, and other people around him. So I, I do think that this is for, for good. So, yeah, I think he's this done. This is but, for good. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's fine. But I, I would say, look, I love, I love this book um, from the perspective of, you know, Tom, Tom Brady was a kid who wasn't considered all that great coming up. Well, that's, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and his dad, while he nurtured him, wasn't one of those guys who was out there claiming that his kid was the next John Elway. He did everything he could to help his kid become as good as he could possibly be by nurturing him and providing him with, with what he could. But he wasn't one of those parents out there saying, oh, you've got to go here to play the most, you know, and even when his son encountered difficulties at the University of Michigan um, and, you know, lost the coach who initially recruited him, who believed in him and then, you know, struggled and then was faced with this great competition from this uber talent named Drew Henson, 
who everybody anointed as the next big thing in sports, he told his kid, basically, stick it out. You know, you don't need to transfer. You need to, you need to go up and, and fight for yourself and you need to compete. Um, and kind of did that during his, his, you know, professional career as well, you know, take on the challenges. Um, but he didn't so, sit there and promote his kid to other people. And there's a, you know, there's a difference here. And, and part of this is the, the title, while it is definitely blunt, is sort of a lesson for parents, in my view, after all these years of observing parents, is don't be that front runner. Don't, you're not the one living the life. It's your kids who are. And you need to shut up and you need to let them do it themselves and kind of get out of the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does make sense. And so, you know, how do you feel about everybody getting a trophy because they just played on the team? Look, I think there's a there's a point where that's there is some value to that. You want to reward kids. You don't want to make them all the same. When 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 I was a youth coach and I coached little league for eight years before I ever had kids, right? And then I coached, you know, when I had my own kids and all those kinds of things. You wanted kids to have something that was a memento, memento or something special, you know, like a game ball or a ball. We would we would list all of their achievements when little league we would write them on the side of a new ball at the end of the year and write all the things that they did. So they had something to put up on, you know, the mantle or the bookcase or whatever it was, or something to keep when they were from their childhood that, that they remembered. And so you want them to have something like that. So they all get trophies. I think you devalue the, what the trophy is sometimes. And I understand people who make that argument that you're devaluing reward when everybody gets the same reward. So, but you want them to get some reward and something that says, this was special, this is fun, because that might spark their passion. That might make yeah. them want to keep yeah, doing it. Absolutely. And, and and those are the things that you want to nurture. You want to nurture kids to keep playing or to keep doing whatever it is, if it's singing or dancing or whatever it happens to be. You want to nurture that, whether they're going to be the next big thing or not. Because it's just healthy for people to do these things. You know, you're making a lot of sense and a lot of people are saying, well, then what do we do for kids? How do we make them become the next Tom Brady? You don't make them become the next Tom Brady. They make themselves become the next Tom Brady. They yeah. fall in love with or whatever. Tiger Woods or whatever, whoever it might be. Yeah, right. They look. They have to fall in love with it. I, I, one of my, one of my favorite things when I wrote the biography of John Elway, I spent a lot of time researching his father, who was a college coach, right? Uh, you know, major college football coach, coach. You know, Stanford after John had left Stanford, coach at San Jose State, long career in football, ended up working in the NFL for a long time. And I found out that John Elway's father, Jack Elway, never once coached his son in any youth sports, never coached him in high school, never coached him in Little League, never coached him in Pop Warner. The only time that he ever coached his son was in a college all-star game after his son was done playing. So they did one sort of frivolous, fun game, the Shrine game in college, right? Right. And that's because he he never wanted – the act of being a coach to get in the way of the act of being a parent. 
because they're very two they're two different things and that's what worked for him and i'm not saying don't coach your kids don't don't get me wrong but this was what worked for him he wanted to nurture that that desire to be great desire, that passion to 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 play sports and he wanted to do it from a distance that didn't include coaching his kid it just meant encouraging him and you know taking him to, to go play and taking them to all-star practices. And one of the things that Jack Elway said as his son, John was getting ready to be drafted number one overall in the NFL draft in 1983. And he had already been you know, drafted by the New York Yankees and had played minor league baseball for the Yankees. He said, I'm paraphrasing it's in the book, but it's, I just want to ensure in him, you know, the, the love of playing ball and dollars aren't going to do that. This is not about money. It's about, you know, finding his true passion. And I think that that, as a parent, what you want to do is find what your kids are passionate about, find what they like to do and nurture that. You know, even if that means, you know, sometimes, you know, it's playing video games and, you know, not that, you know, that drove me crazy with my own kids, but they enjoyed doing it and they found a healthy way to do it um, and be good at it. And it fed their passion to be passionate about other things that they did like school or rowing in the case of one of my kids. Right. So that's what, that was what I was trying to do. And, I, and I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent. I'm just saying, I always thought like, how am I going to feed these kids their passion to want to do whatever it is that they want to do? Yes. It's about that passion though. That's what it's about. Uh, it, oh, Absolutely. It is, you know, look, if your kid doesn't enjoy doing something and you're making them do it, okay, and, and there's a difference between doing your schoolwork and doing things that you have to learn how to do, like, you know, learn, learn how to run a bank account or learn how to, you know, like, even if they're not good at algebra, they have to learn what algebra is, right? They just have to, they, they kind of have to know what it is. Yeah. So they have yeah. that, they have that in the back of their mind. Okay. This is what I need. This is what I even don't know, right? And I'm not good at. I need to know what it is, right? Yeah, so yeah. Hey, they're, Jason, they're, they're, we're almost out of we're almost out of time. But thank you so much for coming on, tongue in cheek. Sure. But the book is really a great book. It's it is um, an introduction by Tom Brady Senior. Shut up, your kid is not that great. And uh, for more about Jason, <laughs> for more about Jason, where can people find you? Jason Cole. Oh, they can find they can find me on Twitter at Jason Cole sixty two. That's where I um, am sarcastic okay. and, and blunt all the time. And they can find the book at Amazon.com. Go to Amazon.com, buy it. It's a quick read. It's fun. All right. Personal question friend. from the from a New York Patriots fan: Are they going to keep Mac Jones, or is he going to be gone by the time the season begins? Yes or uh, no? They're going to keep. Uh, keep him for one more season, but this is uh, this is the season to figure out if Mac Jones is any good. I, I I agree. All right, thanks so much. We'll be back in just a moment. Frankie Boyer, stay tuned. Biz Talk Radio. Welcome back, Frankie Boyer. Well, joining us today is the big cheese himself, the big cheese, the CEO of Famaggio Cheese, the man who created 
the stuffed crust pizza. Now, Anthony Mangiello, welcome back. You are the CEO of Famaggio Cheese. Tell us, you yes, are I the am. you are the real inventor of the Pizza Hut's famous stuffed crust pizza. Yes, that's exactly right, Frankie. And uh, I created this, believe it or not, when I was 18 years old. Wow. So, Anthony, Anthony, why are you not getting credit for it? Well, I appreciate you saying it just that way, Frankie, because it's sad. And all I really want is my recognition for what I've created. At at 18 years old, I I made uh, a pizza for someone. And I accidentally, because I'm a cheese guy and not a pizza old guy, I put too much dough towards the end of the pizza, which means I had a very large diameter, let's say, raw crust. And when I baked it, Frankie, it started to expand. It looked like a calzone on the end of the pizza all the way around in a ring. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was astonished. And as I bit into it, Frankie, I said, wow, if there was something inside here, this would be great. And that is how stuffed crust pizza was truly born. Just like that. And so you lost what? Tell me how much money have you lost? Uh, or well, let me rephrase it. An estimate. An estimate? Pizza Hut has sold billions of dollars each year since they introduced it in 1995. And the reality was this, Frankie, I sent it to Pizza Hut. So there's no way that someone can say, oh, they, how could they steal your idea? How do they know about it? I waited until I achieved a patent. And I thought a patent would protect me the way everybody, I, I believe, thinks a patent would protect them. And I want to I say something after this. But what happened was I waited until after I received my patent. My patent was issued in April of 1987. In 1988, and then again in 91, I contacted Pizza Hut. I sent them a letter. I sent them a copy of my patent. And I wanted to partner with them if it was possible. And they sent me a letter back saying, thank you, but no thank you. We're not interested. Well, lo and behold, in 1994, going into 95, I pick up a, a, a newspaper and I see that Pizza Hut is launching stuffed crust pizza and they launched a $45 million advertising campaign for my product. And I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't believe what was happening, Frankie. I couldn't believe it. Now, Anthony, all these years later, has, have they ever made restitution? Have you ever been able to c- come into terms with any of this? What, what we did was I cold called Pizza Hut way back, way back then in 1994. And someone on a phone call, Frankie, actually offered me $50,000 for my patent and my trademark because they actually knew who I was. How could they not know who I was? They took my patent in my mind. They went to their attorneys, in my opinion, and they said, look, we want this product. We don't want to partner with this man. We want to see how we can knock this thing off. And, and then we wound up in a lawsuit. And I sued them for patent infringement. And what they did was I didn't get my due, my, my just in court, Frankie. I, I never was able to go to court and, and have a jury judge this trial. Pizza Hut's attorneys move for what's called summary judgment halfway through the discovery or whatever happens in a trial like this. 
And they got one judge, Judge Nickerson, to say, well, it's a different product, and it's not a different product, Frankie. You can't undo patent infringement by adding a step. And they copy my patent verbatim the way they make their pie. And it's not a, a recipe, Frankie. It's a method to make a pizza. And they copied yeah. it step by step. Anthony, all these years later, where are you in this case? The case is over. Judge Nickerson ruled uh, in summary judgment. Like I said, I didn't get to be able, I wasn't able to be in front of a jury. So one judge, one man, ruled that the product that they created versus the product that I patented, he said, was different. But now, as we look back into the past, because I'm doing a lot now regarding this case, what, what happened is we found out Judge Nickerson didn't do the right thing and that he had some issues himself. And I think that maybe he favored big corporate America versus a little guy like me growing up in the streets of Brooklyn. And that, to me, is why I lost this case. I felt it was very unjust. But the world will know coming up. Don't worry. They're going to find everything out. Anthony, we love having you on because you're just the real deal, besides being the big cheese. But you are the real deal. Um, I, I appreciate that. No, you really are. And you've been able to really and truly educate all of us about the power of cheese and who doesn't love cheese and who doesn't love pizza, but cheese alone. And what's business been like? And tell us after COVID, were people eating a lot more cheese? <laughs> it's funny you ask that because a lot of people do ask that question. But with everybody actually hunkering down and staying home, they wanted some good comfort food. And I'm going to tell you, formaggio cheese is a great comfort food, especially when you're home watching TV. And unfortunately, people were not going out and not dining. Frank, I want to, give, I want to know if I can take this opportunity to give everyone a piece of advice if they have an idea. Can I do yes, that? Yes, please. Yes, please. I was under a misconception, as I alluded to in the beginning of the conversation, Frankie. And that was, I thought the patent was going to protect me. And then after I achieved my patent, I went and I went into the market to try and sell my product. The reality is anybody that has a good idea, and if they want to apply for a patent, after they do the search and after they get an attorney to see if it's valid, they should continue. Once they achieve what's called patent pending status, where an attorney takes it and applies for a patent with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, that's the time to go to market. And I want to tell you why. Because at that moment, the patent file is closed and no one can read it. No one knows what's oh, in it. Oh, very important no advice. Yeah. Very important. And with that note, Anthony, we are almost out of time. Best website, how people can get the best cheese from the big cheese himself. Go ahead. FormaggioCheese.com. Thank you for the time, Frankie. I do appreciate it. Enjoy your day. Oh, as always, Anthony, thank you. And thank all of you. This has been another edition of the Frankie Boyer Show for BizTalk Radio. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day, everybody. And as always, smile. And if you smile through your fears and sorrow, smile. And maybe tomorrow you'll see that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.